Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, God's one amen. As I noted on Holy Wednesday, all the vices appear to have united to condemn Christ to death. The pride and envy of the scribes and Pharisees, the greed, the avarice of Judas, the sensuality of Herod and the indecision and egotism, egoism of Pilate. And as I noted then, we've spoken much about the pride and envy of the scribes and Pharisees in the last few weeks as we discussed their attempts to entrap Jesus. On Wednesday, we focused on Judas. And last night, we focused on Peter, who also fell very hard, but who had a very different outcome from Judas. And tonight on this Good Friday, I want to focus on Herod and Pilate. Herod Antipas is the first century ruler of Galilee and Perea, who bore the title of Tetrarch officially, but is also called in the scriptures King Herod. Now this is not the King Herod who was in power at the time of Jesus' birth, but his son. Now that Herod at Jesus' birth is known as Herod the Great. His son, Herod Antipas, was not the most morally upstanding individual. He'd married the daughter of King Aretas IV, of Nabata early in his reign, but when he visited his half-brother, he fell in love with his wife, Herodias, and the two uh, decided to get married after he divorced his first wife, which he did, and this deservedly brought the condemnation of John the Baptist upon him, and as we know, uh, Herod puts him in jail. However, the New Testament notes that he fears and respects John the Baptist. But we know because of his sensuality, he grants a wish to his daughter, Salome. In fact, it's interesting. You probably know that that's her name, but it's not found in the scriptures. That actually comes from Josephus, um, Salome, who, plotting with her mother, asked for John the Baptist's head. So we see how he reduces everything to pleasure on this Good Friday, too. In St. Luke's Passion's narrative, we hear that when he was exceedingly glad when Jesus was brought to him because he was desirous to see him for a long time, because he'd heard so many things about him, and he hoped to have some miracle done by him. And then it says, Herod, with his men of war, set him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. So when they didn't get what they wanted from him, they just made fun of him, had their pleasure with him, and sent him off. We can see two key things in these stories. First, in our world today, so many think they are free because they can be as unvirtuous as they like. And it's unlikely that their actions these days will get much of a rise out of anyone. But who's free in the story of John the Baptist and Herod? The man in physical jail? Or the one who is so given to lust that he gives a rash oath leading to the murder of an innocent man? In the case of Jesus, when, he, when confronted with virtue, Herod and his people mock it, as those today do. Perhaps it makes them feel better about themselves, but I think more likely when, we, when they, when we, engage in such behavior, it's because we recognize that we are slaves to sin. When we want to believe, we're free. So we turn those feelings outward in mocking virtue rather than sit with the truth that we are enslaved by vice. But there is hope, and we've been discussing it all week. If we wish to rise again, Jesus is there for us. 
turning to Pilate if we know more about Pilate than uh, more than more if we know more about Pilate than what's found in the pages of the New Testament, we realize that this passion we just read can be a little bit um, unusual or surprising because Pilate was known to be particularly barbaric, so barbaric that some had questioned why he would show any consideration to Jesus. However, the Gospels provide one of the clear reasons. Pilate knew he was being played by the chief priests and Pharisees, and nobody likes that. But Pilate is weak, and oddly, that, that makes sense because it seems to be a common quality of those who are weak to frequently use brutality. And his weakness is in part, I'm sure, a reason that he was installed by the Romans. I mean, after all, they only wanted people they could control. He knows Jesus really hasn't done anything wrong, certainly not anything deserving of death, and his wife's dreams and some of the things that Jesus are saying, those odd responses to his questions, clearly have him a little bit afraid too. But of course, all he ends up caring about is himself and his power. The moment he realizes that he's about to have a mob on his hands, the very thing the Romans have him there to avoid, and that they're going to accuse Pilate of not putting Caesar first, just like that, he sends Jesus to be crucified. Are we weak like Pilate, unwilling to defend the innocent, instead compromising the truth, especially when it might somehow bruise our ego or take some of the power we believe we have? That pretty much sounds like human nature, doesn't it? So how do we overcome it? Well, we overcome it by becoming truly free, as we see in John the Baptist, and most especially our Lord. We have to take control we have to have courage, and we need to be uncompromising. And we need to turn our focus outward toward God and neighbor rather than upon ourselves. Now, I put some warning with these because there are folks who take control, have a lot of courage, no compromise. They take it a little too far, right? So before you can do those things, you have to be right. You have to be right first. And to be right, you have to be aligned with Jesus, aligned in your heart, your mind, your body, and soul. You have to love Jesus, and he tells us himself that means keeping his commandments, having the virtue that Herod didn't have. Only once you're right can you take control courageously and without compromise. And to be right, you have to cloak yourself in Jesus. And to cloak yourself in Jesus, you must face the cross as he did. The cross we celebrate and look upon tonight. The cross seems horrific, and it was, but we must remember that our Lord took that horror freely upon himself, laying his condemned arms and legs upon it freely to be nailed against it, praying for his executioners to win a victory for us, to conquer the curse from eating the fruit of the tree of good and evil in the Garden of Eden, death, by providing his body and blood as the fruit of the tree of life, which stood outside the walls of Jerusalem on this seemingly dark but ever so good Friday night. So give up your attachments to yourself. To give up your attachments to unchecked pleasure in this world because it only serves to enslave you. And instead take up your cross of self-sacrificial love and follow Jesus freeing yourself from that slavery to self and sin and resolve to become the sweet fruit of the tree of life for those around you. Amen.
Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.